Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Renter Retires, it's Adam Schrader here with Zach Lee Master. And today we'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode. But we really want to get into one of the aspects of real estate investing that a lot of people know about, I would say. They kind of understand the general basic concept of it, maybe. But it's a word that also a lot of people may not know the intricacies of it. And so today we want to talk about real estate wholesaling. It's something that I've never personally done. Zach, have you done any of it? Yeah, quite often. Um, wholesaling is something we started with kind of early on. And wholesaling now is is just a exit strategy, I think. Um, wholesaling is, is something that is, you know, if you find a, an undervalued deal, a dilapidated house, and it's not something that you're potentially going to take on, it can be an, a viable exit strategy to turn that over to someone instead of just letting that deal go and and still make a profit margin on that and monetize on that opportunity instead of letting it go. But wholesaling is a word that's thrown around a lot at uh, this, in the seminar industry. Many people hear about wholesaling and it's a new concept. And it seems like, or the way it's presented, is that it's a very easy way with low risk, low money, to come in and make money in real estate, just getting started. And while that is absolutely possible, I, what we're going to do is actually talk about the reality of wholesaling and what it actually involves from, from getting started. Because often, and many people listening to this have probably been through this scenario where you see an ad, you hear a radio ad uh, talking about a free two-hour presentation. This is where a company usually presents the idea of wholesaling, gets people excited, and then the next step is signing up for like a three-day <laughs> and a boot camp, you maybe pay 100, 200 bucks for. And then from there, you buy a $50,000 program, you know, coaching program where they teach you how to wholesale, possibly get into some flips. And uh, it's really kind of this, this upsell on education, not really the true real estate investing um, aspect of it. You can learn everything you need to know about wholesaling just from doing research online and actually going out and doing it. Um, but this is where wholesaling has become so popular or, or widely known or sought out after for uh, a newer investor is, is because of that advertising that's been done. But we're going to break it down today and, and talk about what is wholesaling, how it works, when it does and doesn't work, and what you really need to be prepared for if your plan is to set up a wholesaling business. Yeah. And I actually, one of the things I did while I was you know investing in turnkey real estate is I actually looked into wholesaling once and there was a site kind of like what you were saying. They they would show the case studies of this person made $5,000 in their first 10 days or 12 days. And this person made 13,000 their first month and that kind of stuff. And thought, ah, you know, that might be interesting, you know, worth taking a look at. And, but then they kept up selling and it was, and we, we have a software that can help you identify the people who are most likely to be selling. And it's only, you know, 800 or $900 a month to subscribe to it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be putting that much effort into it. You know, I'm, uh, it's probably not worth that amount of money. But the concept of wholesaling for people who don't know is essentially you go out and you find somebody who has a distressed asset or, you know, maybe they're underwater and they're not wanting to pay on the loan anymore. And they're just trying to get out from the property and you identify them, you talk with them and you convince them 
to let you not buy their house necessarily, but to get a contract to sell their house. And then you are responsible for going out into the market and finding a buyer. And right now in this environment, if you can actually get a wholesale contract, you've got buyers everywhere <laughs> because everybody's looking to buy homes, but the competition has significantly increased. But you essentially find a buyer and you agree to, let's just say your initial agreement with the home seller is, you know, they need $50,000 to get out from under their house and they'll be happy and, you know, they're, they'll be set. And you go out and you find somebody looking to do a rehab and you say, I've got this property, you know, $60,000 and it's yours. And then, you know, they come on and usually, I think for the most part, the majority is you just assign the contract to the buyer, but you can also do what's called a double close and you can close on the property yourself and take possession. And then you sell the property to the, um, the investor who's, or the flipper who's looking to, to work on that property. I think that pretty much covers the basics. I uh, don't know if you have anything to add to, to that part, Zach. Yeah. And just for everyone's knowledge, we'll, we'll do another segment where we actually talk about how to do wholesaling. And if this is something you're truly interested in doing a few key concepts that you should be aware of. Um, that is not the purpose of today's discussion. It's just to really just present the topic, talk about what it is, what is it, what it is not. And also what you need to be aware of if, if this is something you are considering, because often it is presented as, hey, this is something you can do a couple hours a week. It's not much time or money involved. And, and I think that is is really a misrepresentation of what it actually takes to be successful in wholesaling. And you're right, Adam, everything you broke down is exactly correct. In a wholesale transaction, what you're doing is you, your company, your business model is to go out and find undervalued properties. And that's extremely challenging to do today in today's market because people can just sell dilapidated houses you know, for crazy yeah. amounts. And there's, there's this huge buyer pool um, that is, is willing to buy those. And so you're competing with people that could probably pay more than they should um, for the property or that you could be successful with. So that's important just because you find a, a property that's off market doesn't mean it's going to be a successful wholesale deal. And it's also important to know that wholesaling is becoming rather regulated these days, um, state by state and with local municipalities. 10 years ago is a wild west. Um, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much to be done, but, or much regulation, but because it's become so popular doing part to the, the seminar industries, um, you know, this is, this is something that uh, is starting to be a lot more regulated by uh, real estate agencies and things like this, um, and governing bodies. But essentially your business model is you are marketing to a distressed buyer. What a distressed buyer is, is someone that is in a position where they have equity. There's really three things that are essential to every wholesale deal. You need to have a property that has equity, meaning that the home is worth more than the, what is owed on in the property. You need to have a motivated seller, meaning that the person has a reason that they're looking to sell this property. Um, you know, so the big thing with a with a I guess a motivated seller would be they kind of fall into these categories of someone that is, you know, they're they have equity in the house. Maybe they've owned it for a handful of years. You know, they paid the loan down. Sometimes people own these free and clear. Um, but there's a situation you're looking for a situation to market to. The, the list that we've seen be really successful with finding un, our undervalued properties, and we still do this this aspect of it today to find dilapidated houses or undervalued properties, distressed properties. 
often you see people that um, are in pre-foreclosure, not actually in foreclosure yet, but they're getting those letters where they're not making their mortgage payments. Um, and you know, the wholesaling can be a win because you're actually solving a solution for a person that it really doesn't maybe have solutions for them. So they can be underwater in the house with, uh, or not up to speed with their mortgage payments. And because of that, you know, instead of actually going through the foreclosure process, you know, you can come in and offer the ability to exit that without ruining their credit and having to go through foreclosure. Often we see uh, probate is another probate is where um, someone passes away and this is legally transferred ownership to who next of kin or whoever is on a will. And often, you know, if this is a property that someone hasn't really taken care of and someone just inherits a property, they may not even want to deal with it. There's an opportunity there, people that are behind on taxes. So there's a handful of different uh, lists or organizations that you can look into to find this information. And then you market to those people and say, you know, often when you see these, like we buy houses fast for cash, we buy ugly houses, those are wholesaling companies. And you're really marketing, you're building a marketing company to go out and find good deals, put them under contract, meaning you have an assignable contract that you are willing to, you know, you show them that you're going to purchase the property. It usually needs to be an all all cash transaction, closing quickly because you need to solve that solution. And then you take that contract and you market that contract out to your buyer's list. You build a buyer's list, which is actually not the hard part here. The hard part is finding the deal in the first place. Uh, which, t- which takes a bunch of time, but then that contract can either be assignable where you have an end buyer that ha- signs an assignment of contract and take those take that assignment contract to a title company and actually close those, or you can do a simultaneously closing, back-to-back closing, which actually in some states is required to do it that way where you actually have to take ownership of the property. That means you have a, a seller, motivated seller, having a contract to you as a buyer that's an a to b transaction and then you have another separate contract for a b to c transaction where you're selling to an end an end buyer and the end buyer never knows who the uh, seller is the the reason why most people would do a back-to-back closing versus an assignment of contract is in a situation where actually you have a larger fee built in usually with an assignment of contract everyone sees your fees you know, it could be five, five, ten thousand dollars, whatever the case is. If if you have a pretty um, significant fee structure built in, you buy a house at fifty, and you know, and it's under market value, and you're selling at seventy, eighty, whatever the case is, you don't usually want that end buyer to see that. So you'll actually close on the property first, and that is required in in many states, uh, just depending on your situation. So do look into the laws and regulation. And sometimes in a dual transaction, often you actually have to come to the closing and actually buy it with cash. That's something else to be aware of. You can have transactional funds with basically short-term hard money that's very expensive and that needs to be factored into your your numbers. There's a handful of different ways to do this. And again, we're not going to go through the intricacies of that for today's discussion, but, but that's the idea. Really what we want to inform people about today is how do you build, you know, what, what are the things to really know about being successful in wholesaling? The first is that it does take a bunch of time. The reality is you got to spend, this is a business you're creating and it takes a lot of time and energy and money to build up a marketing funnel. So you're building a marketing company to go out and find those deals and you got to learn. This is a great way to learn to evaluate deals actually, and kind of underwrite deals and analyze deals, looking at what they're worth, what the rental income could be, you know, evaluating what type of equity is in, in those deals. And so you, I mean, there's a lot of time and money that goes into that. You need to spend, you know, a lot of money on marketing. Otherwise you're not going to be successful. There's a lot of people that go into this and kind of try to wing it and, and don't 
put the money and, and energy and time into it that aren't successful. And we see that so many times someone tries wholesaling for three to six months and they don't, they never get one deal under contract um, or they never have one transaction, they lose motivation. And that's, you know, that happens. I just want everyone to be very clear. You plan on this being a full-time job and spending tens of thousands of dollars on marketing, which is what you have to do. This is where marketing could be putting out bandit signs, which is a very effective way, but also now a more regulated way. A lot of city municipalities do not allow bandit signs. You can get fines for those. Sending out mailing lists. You know, we buy your house fast for cash. Um, those sorts of things. Sending out mailing lists. Um, you can get tax lists of people that are behind on taxes, pre-foreclosure lists. There's companies that sell these lists that you market to, and you need to market to them consistently on drip campaigns. Where cause it's all about timing, finding the right timing yeah. when someone... And the reality is today, though, I want to make it very clear. Most of those people are probably receiving letters in the mail. I mean, if you're an out-of-state owner, that's another yeah. list. Adam, you get those letters on your houses, and oh, so man. do I. I mean, so it's just... There's a ton of people, and the market has been flooded with wholesalers right now you really need to find a niche that's different from what other people are doing to be really successful yeah i get i would say with uh i'd probably get about three to four phone calls a day about two to three text messages a day and then some of those automatic uh, automated voicemails usually once uh, about every couple of days i'll get one of those i mean it's uh like you said it's a very marketing heavy thing you're going to have to set up a whole system of you know the mailers that come out oh and i probably get about three or four pieces of mail a week um offering to buy our house too i mean you have to you have to really know how you're going to get your lists and how much it's going to cost you to market to those lists because a lot of times you're not going to have the time to physically pick up the phone and call all two thousand people who you're going to market to. So you're going to have to hire a call center to go out and do it for you. Or you're going to have to find a bunch of people on Fiverr who are willing to do it or something like that. You're going to need to buy, you know, an auto caller. Like if you're going to do the voicemail thing, you're going to have to buy some software or hire a company to send out the message to all of the people, because, you know, you might be able to record the message or you, you will be able to record the message, but I don't know about you, Zach, but I don't have software that I that I own that can send that can do automated voicemails to people. You know, when it comes to mailers, you're going to have to have them printed. You're going to have to have them stamped. You're going to have to have them mailed. It's a large operation when you get down to it. I mean, the people who talk about, you know, I just worked a few hours and got it. They got lucky. You know, if you go out and talk to them three, four months later, they've either failed because they kept trying to do it themselves most likely, or they've scaled up and now their full-time job is that it's not really something in today's environment that you can do while you have a full-time job. Um, or just know that if you try to do it while you have a full-time job, it's gonna be most of your external hours and it's gonna take you a long time to actually get your first deal. And we're not telling people that don't do this. If, if this is something you're considering, we're just setting Absolutely stage not. for what what is reality. Uh, and you hit the nail on the head, Adam, of, of how much time and energy is actually involved in this. I mean, let's talk some real numbers here because we still do this, right? To acquire undervalued properties. Um, and the other thing to know is the market. I mean, if you're a new person getting into the space, you're competing with people that are spending hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on marketing large companies in those areas. And you're not going to be effective trying to 
do the same thing that they're doing because you just can't compete with that type of marketing funnel. Um, you know, this is this is looking at secondary tertiary markets, looking at uh, a specific group that isn't a common like if you're buying a list of out of state owners or people that are in pre foreclosure. I mean, those are common ways to get leads. And there's thousands of people doing that. So you got to be creative here. And that's really what the real estate in any capacity being creative is what really what allows you to be successful. But if you're going to try to create a, a true successful wholesaling business, you got to be prepared to spend you know at least 20 hours a week minimum. Um, I would say at least 50 to $100,000 of marketing. Have that as your budget to get started. Um, you know to actually get some leads in. You probably need a thousand leads of people calling to investigate that to narrow it down to 50 that are potential deals and maybe get 10. Um, actual deals or five to 10, you know, so the numbers are dramatic. You, you have to evaluate a ton of deals now wholesaling, I think, or really evaluating any deals that are trying to, whether you're trying to flip it, because that's the alternative is if you want to try to do a rehab project where you're doing a value add or the burst strategy or whatever the case is, you have to find the under market value deal first, which means you need to evaluate thousands and thousands of properties and find those leads through your marketing funnel. This is an excellent way to learn how to evaluate deals. So you don't always have to wholesale everything. I mean, if you want to hold the property and flip it, you know, of course, there's a lot of additional risk and, and money involved in that, but it's just, an, it's just an exit strategy for finding an undervalued deal. You could partner with someone on that. You can do the rehab yourself and either sell it or do a uh, cash out refi and hold it as a rental. You could wholesale it if it's not something you want to take on. Um, it's just a way to find a good deal. That's really what this is all about is finding the good deal. And if you find a good deal, you're going to have an opportunity to do something with it. But again, it's, it's a challenging world right now to, to be really successful in this. Um, you know, if, you, if you're in a large metropolitan area, that's really hot. I mean, you really got to narrow down your, your criteria to certain zip codes, certain area, um, even looking at some of these areas that are outside of the metropolitan area, some tertiary markets that maybe don't have as many people already focused in those those areas. So this is a good way to learn how to evaluate deals. Uh, most of our investors are turnkey investors. So they want, they want the benefits of buy and hold real estate, which is probably something also we should talk about comparing and contrasting. I mean, a lot of people look at wholesaling as a way to create, or it's presented to them as a way to create easy cash, uh, easy money coming in. It's not easy, but that's the way it's presented where you can have a quick flip on a property with low money and low risk involved. Um, but that's really not the case. I mean, if you're under contract with the property and it, and you can't find a buyer for it, um, you know, you could have earnest money that is, um, you need to sacrifice and things like this, depending on how the contract's written, uh, you have performance that you need to follow through with on, on that contract for, for the seller. And they're putting their trust in you that you're going to be able to solve that solution for them. Uh, but there's, you know, if you're actually looking at getting in started investing in real estate, and you don't have the time and, and money and energy to do all of this, it might be a better route for you to just to buy a rental um, or especially a turnkey rental where things are taken care of for you and you, you kind of build your knowledge and baseline. So, hey, you have this portfolio of cash flowing houses. And then if you decide that you want to put in some time to go out and do some of your own projects, that's usually the case where we see people being more successful as they have experience owning rentals that allows them to create additional passive income, maybe allocate some of their time away from their job to, to do this. Um, people that are coming in just out of the gates doing this with no real estate knowledge, uh, I think that's a lot of 
a lot of time where we see people falling short and not being successful. And personally, my opinion is when you're looking at these um, seminar companies that want you to pay twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars for their coaching program, that money is much better spent in actually putting it into marketing to find deals. You know, it's, it's not difficult to learn how to do, and self-educate on how to do that or find a mentor to learn how to do that or just put that money into a rental property to start earning cash flow and building your, your equity over time. Yeah. Zach, you mentioned that one of the things you need to do is creative marketing. And as you have been going about marketing for distressed properties and trying to, you know, in this case, do the rehab and, you know, give them to investors or, you know, hold them for yourself for the long term. Were there any particular strategies that you found were best um, or, you know, any, I don't want to say gimmicks because they're not gimmicks, but any particular thing that you found in your marketing that worked best to entice people to to call you or to even sign sign up for the deal yeah and this has evolved quite quite dramatically over the past 10 years uh i mean when we first started doing i mean my first wholesale deal was probably 15 16 years ago and shoot we spent 300 bucks on bandit signs paid a college kid to go out and post bandit signs these are little signs you know that you see on the side of the roads yeah. like we buy ugly houses or whatever but they can't um, look official they have to look like hand-drawn in a lot of places yeah same thing with your mark yeah you see your, your mail campaigns you know you don't want it to be a you want people to open it you know we have different strategies with that like you don't actually seal the envelope you you have it printed like it's a handwritten you got a picture of yourself i mean there's all little things you can do but again direct mail marketing is uh, an area that people spend a lot of money on and that's probably not the space to go into the area what we found most effective early on i mean at this point in time in a lot of these areas we have an established presence that people are aware of of branding uh and things like this where it's like they're coming to us because of the uh and we have we actually buy a lot from wholesalers that's something also that is important to mention you can actually find and there's a ton of people wholesaling and probably the same sort of thing probably 100 deals that wholesalers send or are not good deals and they're not accurately presenting the numbers, but you can buy from wholesalers and f- still sometimes find an undervalued property or even potentially if it's done appropriately, even wholesale, wholesale deal. We won't get into that, but to answer your question, really what we found to be most effective is really creating a niche in a specific marketplace. If we're in an area that we see a lot of those billboards, those signs, you know, driving different neighbors, because that's another way is driving for dollars, which is very time intensive but sometimes a, a good way to get familiar with a specific location. Um, that's probably an area that you want to avoid if you see a lot of those, those marketing campaigns already being in that area because it's, it's already saturated. What we found to be really effective is actually looking at secondary and tertiary markets. And sometimes it's like, well, who would, who would want to live here or who would want to invest here if it's a place that, you know, you have a couple thousand people living there, but it's an, and it's an hour away from a big city or something like that. Um, you'd be surprised how many people are in those, you know, those areas. And often those are lower price points in an area where you can drive an entire town and not, you know, not see any of those signs. Um, when I was in the Air Force and really started with wholesaling in, in North Dakota, I mean, there's a lot of areas that you can drive and there's, you know, farmlands. We, we wholesale a lot of farms um, that people didn't want to farm, but they wanted their, their piece of land. You know, there was um, those type of people that didn't have an alternative and they, they weren't presented with all these uh, all these mailers and things like this, where it was rather effective. One thing that we did um, also is we just put in the newspaper, you know, in the real estate section multiple times, our ad, which was actually rather cheap to do in, in that area. 
you have a lot of older demographics reading and that's another thing targeted audience you really got to be very specific with your marketing and anything with a newspaper ad you have older demographics that still read the newspaper every single day they probably have equity in their house because they've lived there for 20 30 years maybe they're downsizing um, or maybe they you know whatever the case is so those are certain things that we did that were effective adam yeah and i think you talk about those secondary and tertiary markets i mean i can't even begin to count you know when when i lived in houston and now that i'm in austin how many times these secondary markets you're like oh who would live out way out there and then you know five ten years later if you're in if the you know primary market is you know as good as you think it is suddenly it's like oh like here in austin round rock used to be way up north oh my gosh round rock is so far out there now it's essentially north austin so you know you get into the the path of progress in a lot of ways and you can those secondary and tertiary markets just kind of come in it seems closer and closer to the city because you know it just keeps expanding so it's uh it's not a bad way to go on that front. But uh, <clears throat> when it comes to finding a seller, let's talk about the times when real estate isn't so hot. You know, in the past, whenever it hasn't been quite as hot, how do you find the sellers? I mean, obviously, nowadays, there's a bunch of websites that have people um, people looking for homes and kind of connecting. But usually those are dominated more by the actual wholesalers as opposed to the buyers. But how do you find the actual buyer? I mean, that's that's kind of what we we covered with finding distress. Oh, you said buyer or seller? Yeah, the the end buyer, your C. Yeah, yeah. So this is um, that's actually not the complicated aspect. You know, finding the deal is is always the most important thing, right. and what you should focus on, and and I guess have a little bit of faith that if you truly find a good value in a property and you know how to evaluate a property appropriately, because you do when you're looking at a wholesale deal, you can't just say all right i look i mean we look up at tax assessed values and we look there's ways to run information to see if there's a mortgage on the property um you know there's there's certain lists you can actually buy to sh see when someone actually bought the house if they bought it 10 years ago good chance there's equity in it because uh, that's a key essential piece of, of having a wholesale deal as a mo motivated seller um under market value so there's there's equity in the deal and, and then of course the, the aspect is getting it under contract is the third point i didn't mention earlier but um and and knowing how to negotiate the deal once you have a deal under contract, you go out and you market that contract. Okay. And over time you build your buyers list. You, what you'll find is if you connect with rehabbers in the area that are doing the rehabs, those are going to be your, your uh, main end buyer. Your end buyer is not going to be a retail buyer usually if it's a distressed property. So actually doing some reverse marketing and looking at those signs that you see that where there's large companies that have billboards and, you know, have a strong marketing presence, actually calling them and presenting your deal that's under contract. That's an easy way to get started. You can, if you, if you have permission to actually market things out. And this is something where it's like, if you're actually marketing a property, you, you need to check regulations on it. If a um, real estate license is, is required to actually do that. If, if you actually own the property, you know, that's, it's less regulated, but the finding the end buyer can be done a number of ways. You can post on Craigslist, Zillow. If you get your license, you can post it on the MLS. I mean, with permission of, of the seller to actually go out and find, and you always present it to the seller that, you know, this is going to be me or one of, or someone that I do business with, that's going to be buying this property. They just need to have confidence that you're going to follow through with what you say you're going to do. And that's in the contract. But over time, you'll build a buyer's list of a few key people. If you get good relationships where, 
you maybe only have to send it to two or three people or even one person that's going to know that, hey, you're actually providing good inventory with value there still left on the table and they're going to be your go-to um, to to send all all deals to. But over, I mean, in the, in the beginning stages, you just got to market it out to the, to the right people. But I guess just in summary, because I don't want to get too in the weeds, we'll, we'll do a follow-up with actually like, hey, here's what we've seen be successful with our wholesaling business. Here's the strategies you can be aware of. But just on a presentation of the initial topic, to summarize, wholesaling is not something that you can get into with no money and be successful at it. It takes a ton of time. Be cautious of people that are selling you programs to learn how to wholesale at large dollar amounts. You can self-educate and network with people in the area, create a niche. So when you're looking at creating a marketing presence in a specific location, you really need to have very defined criteria um, you know, over time. So those are kind of the key concepts wholesaling does take money. You need to have that. And if this isn't something that you really, I'm mean, be realistic with your goals. If this is not something that you think you're going, you know, have the time and energy and money to do, maybe it's better to look at just getting into a rental property, building your, your foundation and something you can explore over time. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there for now. Like Zach said, we will have more episodes concerning this topic, but for everybody else there, we really appreciate you listening to the show. Head on over and check us out at renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. You can see the inventory that we have that is not wholesaling. It's uh, the turnkey space that we operate in. So that's renttoretirement.com. You can also schedule a call with one of our investment strategists to go over and of what your long-term real estate plan is going to be. And we can help connect you with any professionals that you may need in the space. We also appreciate you leaving us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Really do appreciate all of you who have done that. Also, if you have any questions or want us to cover any topics, you can email us podcast at renttoretirement.com. That's podcast at renttoretirement.com. Thanks for taking the time to educate yourself. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Rent to Retirement podcast, your number one resource for wealth building, real estate investing, and stress-free retirement strategies. Continue your real estate education and invest with us at renttoretirement.com. 